You're listening to the Mom Inspired Show, episode 223 with Heidi McLaughlin. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Heidi on the show today. This is part two of the four-part series of managing loneliness, and today we're going to talk about grief. So I wanted to mention, I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about this. I've mentioned it um, a little bit, but I lost my dad back in September, and it wasn't really expected, and so it was a little bit challenging in regards to, one, my dad and my mom live in Michigan, and we live in Tennessee, so that's 500 miles, and just being far away, and then you have all the COVID restrictions and um, again, it wasn't, he wasn't well, but we were not expecting him to pass away. So that was really hard. And this was one of the hardest things that I've had to do. And, um, definitely in regards to grieving and how it looks and how it shows up and that, you know, people say that grieving comes in waves and it really does. I mean, there's just times that it will just kind of hit me out of nowhere. Um, or I'll be thinking about something. And so I wanted to do, an episode uh, in the series on grief, because even if you didn't lose someone and someone didn't die in your life, you know, COVID has taken away a lot of things that we have been accustomed to or used to doing. And so we are grieving, you know, we're grieving the way that we used to do life, or maybe you're not seeing your friends and family like you used to. So you're grieving that maybe your holidays didn't look the same that they normally do. That is all grieving. And so I wanted to have Heidi come on the show today. She's a two-time widow and she talks about how it's so important to find joy. And I just think if someone has been widowed twice and their goal is to be joyful again, I thought this is the best person to have on the show to give us some hope, inspire us on how we can work through our pain and get to the other side and be joyful again. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. If you know someone who is having a hard time, if they've lost someone, or they're just simply grieving the life that they had, anything, any anything that would you know equal grieving, uh, make sure to share this episode with them. I don't want people to feel alone right now, and I know this has been a challenging time. Um, so please share this episode, and I truly hope you guys enjoy this. Hey, you guys! So before we jump into the show, I wanted to talk to you about what is coming down the pipeline. I'm really working for 2021 to help you guys. You know, this show is all about the listeners. So I want to hear what you guys want to hear more of in the episodes, in the podcast. So if it's finance, if it's money, budgeting, debt, marriage, parenting, um, you know, health, anything that comes to your mind, um, I want to hear about it. So if you can email me at amber at mominspiredshow.com, or you can message me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. If you missed my Instagram story from last week, um, I had to move my Instagram um, over to mom inspired living because I can no longer access Amber Sandberg. And so I cannot check those messages. So please follow me at mom inspired living. And that way I can see the messages or you can email me or message me on Facebook. I want to hear from you guys. If you're in the Facebook group, I'm going to start doing a poll to see what you guys want to hear. Um, I am working on something that I'm going to be able to help you guys be on the podcast. Um, I'll be sharing that in either the next week or so, but I wanted to get more information before doing that. And I am super excited. Um, I want you guys to know that I am here. This is why I started the podcast in 2016. If you're new to this platform, um, I 
wanted to do this because I wanted women to feel like they are not alone, especially moms. And now that we are, you know, social distancing and stuff like that, we feel isolated. And I hope that this podcast brings you um, just feeling connected and feeling like you're not all by yourself in all of this. And so this is what my goal is for 2021 is to really be there for you guys, to help you guys provide you resources. And um, I'm working on how I can help you guys be on the podcast. So stay tuned to that. Um, But please let me know what you would love to hear for 2021. Now let's go to the show. Heidi, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, Amber, what a delight to connect with you, especially during this time when conversations are so wonderful. Yes, yes. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Um, I like having um, an icebreaker um, when I start my shows just to kind of loosen things up a little bit. And I normally talk about travel because I am a travel agent, but with travel, you know, not happening as much as it normally has been in the past, um, I decided to switch gears and ask a different question. And so my question is, um, what have you learned about yourself or something that you have really embraced this year with 2020? With 2020? Well, I have learned that uh, as a speaker and traveling all over North America, my lifeline is conferences, speaking at conferences and connecting with people. And I realized during COVID, like, I really need that. I really mm. need human connection yeah. at a deeper level, having deeper conversations. Like, I really need that. Yeah, that that would be really hard when that is kind of like your main life and mm-hmm. um, and your purpose and, you know, what kind of fills you up and then to kind of just be home. Um, now have you switched over and started doing things online? Like do some of those conferences still happen and they just switched to zoom or how has that worked for you? Well, I had speaking conferences all last all year and they all got wiped out. And so over everything got wiped out, which was Mm. just absolutely crushing for me. But I have started to do more things on Zoom as a lot of people do. I've been asked to do writers conferences and online. And for uh, a month after COVID, I was part of an organization called Women Together. And every morning from Monday to Friday, we met with people across Canada on Zoom for an hour for conversation and encouragement. And that was great. That is so cool. Yeah. And that probably really did help you, especially if you're doing that every morning, Monday through Friday, to just kind of feel like you're part of a community. Yes, exactly. That really helped. And doing a uh, a lot of virtual conferences, but the ones that were booked for in person, they have not gone virtual yet. Mm. So there's just been new doors opening in yeah. different ways. It's been absolutely wonderful. That is really cool. Um, yeah. So Heidi, how about you share a little bit more with us, like your first and last name, where you live, how many kids you have and their ages? Okay, I am Heidi McLaughlin, and I live in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada. Now, you're wondering, where is that? I have never heard of that. (laughs) Kelowna is about four hours north of Vancouver. Okay. I live in the interior of British Columbia, which is the Napa Valley of Canada, actually. Oh, cool. There is about 400 wineries all around me, and it's really a beautiful place with lakes and mountains and vineyards. And I have, I am a a mom and stepmom of a blended family of five children and 12 grandchildren. And my children's ages are, oh my goodness, they're all in their (laughs) 40s, Amber. (laughs) We'll just leave it there. That's fine. (laughs) What is is the range of your um, grandkids? 
My youngest is 13 and my oldest is 28. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's exciting though. That is yes, fun. Is. I just love them. They are the love of my life. Oh, that's so cool. Um, okay. So I wanted to have you come on the show, um, for a couple of reasons. So first of all, though, I wanted you to kind of share with us, um, how you got to where you are today and kind of share with us, um, you wrote a book, um, feel free to share what the book is about and how did you even get into, writing? Have you always been speaking? Um, and then you went into writing or had you been writing? And then, so you started to be a speaker because you've written stuff. Um, how did that all come about? You know, Amber, that is a really good question. I was a speaker that turned writer. Okay. <clears throat> because yep. after a while you have so many, so much material that you look at it one day and you go, wow, I have a book here. Yes. And so now I've written four books. My last one called Fresh Joy is one that I'm going to be talking mostly about today and three Bible studies and hundreds of articles and blogs. But where I've gotten to today and to write Fresh Joy came out of a, <clears throat> a journey of deep, deep pain because I've been widowed twice. My first husband died December 8th, 1994, while he was playing basketball. And my second husband died November the 11th, Remembrance Day in 2016. And so I am a joyful person. I love to laugh. I love being with people. And it just felt like all my joy was snuffed out. But I was determined with God to work through that pain. I was determined to find joy because joy is inside of us. As Christians, joy is a fruit of the spirit. And I thought, God, how do I access this joy in the midst of pain? And so for four years, uh, God and I journeyed through this, through, through so many ways, through the Bible, through conversations, through research, through prayer. And so from that came the book, Fresh Joy, Finding Joy in the Midst of Our Loss, hard, Hardships and Suffering. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So what what would you love to tell people that are grieving and um, and your thoughts in regards to finding joy, even in the midst of suffering? Well, first of all, in order for me to find joy, Amber, first of all, I had to come to a place of peace mm. because I... <clears throat> excuse me, um, because I find that peace is like, it's a silent joy. It's not all of a sudden in the midst of our grief and suffering, we go, oh, we're so joyful. Everything is wonderful. That doesn't happen. Mm. That comes later. But I, I had to first come to that place of finding peace in my heart because grief is so painful. Grief is the most painful and hardest thing that we will ever go through. And it's hard to find that bubbling joy in that grief. It's almost impossible to have that. But to find peace where we then come to terms with what has happened to us. And I always say that peace is the foundation for finding joy. Mm -hmm. And soon, and once that peace comes, you begin to see little snippets of joy all around us in a conversation, in something that's happening, in, um, in, in beauty, in God's creation. And it seems like after we have peace, it opens the world to begin to see joy around us in, a, in beautiful ways. Yeah, that is really interesting. Um, one thing that I was thinking about with um, you talking about that, um, with having peace, did you have any, um, you know, thoughts after either one of your husbands had passed, like you wish you would have done something differently or um, I don't know, I, not everyone knows this, but my dad did pass away in September. And I do think it's easy to think 
like, oh, what if we would have done this? Or if we would have done that better, or if we would have caught that or all these things that come to mind. And so um, I think sometimes that can um, slow down the process of you getting to peace because you're kind of like, oh, what if I would have done something differently? And, yeah, and then yeah. how do you just not carry that with you forever? So did you, did you experience that at all with um, either one of your husband's? Well, both of my husbands, my first husband died playing basketball and my second husband died going for a cup of coffee in the kitchen. So they both just dropped Wow! and it wasn't like anything that I could have done to stop that. They both just have a heart attack. But the hard part of that is then you never have a chance to say goodbye. Yes. thing. And with my first husband, I was married for 28 years. And so I had to, I had to go to grief counseling, which I did with both of my husbands. I think grief counseling is absolutely vital, absolutely vital. And the grief counselor then had me write a letter to my first husband expressing all of those things that I had not been able to verbalize regrets and all of those things that we never got to say. Mm. And so that really, really helped. And with my second husband, again, he dropped dead as well. I couldn't say goodbye, but there was, with my second marriage there, I can honestly say, even through grief counseling, there wasn't anything I could have done, anything that I needed to say. And I I did, I was at peace with that. It was just deep, deep, deep pain. Wow. And then that's interesting about writing the letter, you know, um, I think that would be a good practice for a lot of people that are going through this. Um, Did you just go and search for a grief counselor? Is that how you found someone? Well, I knew, yes, I did. The funeral home actually provided a grief counselor because my husband's death was, it was tragic. The whole city knew about it. And so I was pretty traumatized. And so they recommended a grief counselor. And at first I thought, um, I don't, I think I'm okay. I don't need one. But then I realized I needed a grief counselor and there's grief counselors everywhere. You know, if you just Google them and they're there and they're wonderful, but you have to find one that really fits for you. Sure. You have to be able to connect with them. And when he told me to write a letter to my husband, I thought it was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> I did, Pember. But once I started writing, I couldn't stop. Wow. It was so, uh, so healing. And I have to honestly say, after I wrote a six page letter, single spaced, I, I came to a place of healing that I didn't even think was possible. It that was is really so, cool. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't make sense, but it works. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious, since you've been widowed twice, um, you know, not many people would experience that. Um, did it feel, I don't want to say it felt easier, um, but how did it feel the second time? Um, like you knew, like you've been through grief. Sometimes, you know, I think with spouses, I think that's one of the top um, things, pro- except maybe for maybe a child dying, um, that is one of the hardest things in life to go through. And um do you feel like the second time around you kind of knew like how to walk through it a little bit and, um, and maybe you weren't resisting so much or did it feel just as hard as the first time you went through it? Actually, Amber, it was harder. It was harder because, um, while when he dropped on the floor, while I was doing CPR on him, he took his last breath (gasps) And then to watch the paramedics try to bring back a pulse and all of that. Uh, And then uh, three months later, 
I crashed. I mean, I literally crashed Mm. physically, Mm. most every which way. And, and I had to go to trauma counseling. And what happened was, is that the grief of my first husband and my dad died of Lou Gehrig's disease and my mom of another disease, all of those griefs, Mm. they, they uh, gathered like it's piled up. Mm-hmm. They piled up, they accumulated, and Jack's death was the last thing that my body could handle. Wow. And I literally crashed physically. I, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't eat. <clears throat> I couldn't sleep. I, I, was, I, I crashed. And so it was diagnosed as PTSD, and then I had to go through the journey of healing wow. of that. It wasn't just grief. It was PTSD. It was all of that. And, and Jack and I had 22 wonderful years together and it was just more than I could take. Wow. Okay. So that is an interesting response. Um, so if you could tell someone, um, you know, that is experiencing someone passing, um, what would you tell them so that it doesn't all stack up and, and then, you know, result in what happened to you? Like if you could know, if you could know like what you know now and go back in time, because you went to grief counseling. So I think a lot of people would be like, Hey, wow, you're actually doing more than what most people would do. Right. So where, what do you think you needed to do more of like during that time? That's a really good question because I thought I was okay, but right. I think it was more than that. I never went for grief counseling after my dad died of ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, oh. which was a very traumatic death. Wow. Yes. My mom died a very traumatic death as well, which I didn't go to grief counseling mm. for that. So grief built up in Got me. It. And, but you know what, for, uh, can I tell people that the the smartest thing you can do is when you, when someone passes or you have some grief, it doesn't necessarily have to be the loss of a loved one. It can be a divorce. It can be a miscarriage. It can be any of those things to get some help. Oh, you know, I lead grief share groups and I just so applaud those people that show up. You're here to do the hard work because they want to get better. And going through grief is some of the hardest work that you'll ever do. And I just really, I admire people who, who show up for grief share, do the hard work because they are going to get better. They are. I love that. Yeah. So that is interesting. So now looking back, you you probably would have went to grief counseling after both your parents died. And that's the thing that you probably thought you could just slide through, manage through. Yes. Yes. But obviously it just kind of, it's like it accrued, accrued in your, in your body. And then losing your second husband just was like the cherry on top that just made you crumble. And so, um, that's really good. I'm glad that we talked about that because I could see people, kind of being like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, until you're not fine. And, um, how long did you, um, go through counseling for the PTSD until you felt like, okay, I can kind of function again, normal, you know, like, um, you know, eating, sleeping and all that kind of stuff. Did it take a while? It didn't take that long because I I already went through regular counselors. I went to grief counselors. I went to a regular counselor. I tried everything after PTSD and it wasn't helping me. Oh, I had to go to trauma counseling. It was actually my pastor that recommended because he could see I was not getting better. And it's called EMDR trauma. Yes, I've done that before for a car accident. Yes. And it just 
you know, about six months of that and I was better. I mean, it was just, I don't understand trauma counseling, but I (laughs) I so highly recommend it. It just, it literally saved my life. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know it is hard because your eyes go back and forth. If people don't know what EMDR, it's like, you're like, I don't know how this is helping. (laughs) Um, So you have to really trust the system, but that is really great. So I'm glad that you shared that so that people could walk away looking for EMDR counselors. And and that is what you would look up and stuff like that. So I want to tie back into 2020. So um, I was going to ask you because, you know, People might have not lost loved ones this year, but maybe, um, maybe they're just grieving, you know, uh, 2020, right? And and just what they yeah. thought this year was going to look like, or people have gotten divorced. I mean, many people have gotten divorced. Um, and I, I like that you mentioned the miscarriages or people losing babies yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So maybe you're not, you know, someone's not dying per se, um, but something has happened um, that you thought was going to happen. And so you've lost whatever that is. And, and there is grief happening. Um, I was going to ask you for you personally, what, what has this year looked like for you? I know you talked about, um, you had to cancel all your, um, conferences and stuff. So how did you kind of, um, cope through this year, especially being on your own and um, you're used to surrounding yourself with all these great people and speaking engagements and stuff like that. Um, how, how was this for you in regards to feeling lonely or disconnected? Oh, Amber, you ask such great questions. You really do. Initially, when everything canceled and all happened within two weeks, honestly, I was like the deer in the headlights. I mm. really was. I just kept thinking, this cannot be happening. <laughs> You're in Seriously? denial. <laughs> no, it cannot be happening. Yeah. I just thought, Okay, you know, a month or two and it'll be over and everything will be rescheduled. And then when that didn't happen, it was like a harsh reality. This is reality. And what I had to do is I had to get creative because I knew that nobody was going to come to me and come up with these great solutions, how I was going to live alone. So I had to figure out and get creative with my life because I need connections. So one thing I did almost every day, of course, which a lot of people did was walk, which is really, really good for our soul. But then I determined to do two things. I determined that I was going to help my daughter and a, and a goddaughter to uh, homeschool their children every day through Zoom. So I did that and that gave me connection that made me, uh, I had to get creative with homework. I had to get creative with projects. And so I did that every morning for, uh, for a month. And then we whittled it down to two, three days a week after that. But I did that right from, from beginning of April to until June. And then I also, I decided that I was going to crochet my stepdaughter, a, a blanket that she'd been wanting. So I had this huge project of a blanket you see, we have to have purpose. We have to have something to get up for. And when we have something to get up for, it passes the day. We feel like we're doing something meaningful. And even though we're not bubbling with joy, there's that peace again. And when we have peace, we can, we can carry on. And also I was, I was absolutely delighted to be part of a women together group in Canada. And we were doing those online Monday to Friday Zoom meetings of encouragement and prayer. I was Zooming with other friends. Uh, Instead of golfing, when golfing season started, our golf group Zoomed. So I did a lot of Zooming, but it gave me that connection. And it, it, but I found that I needed to get up in the morning and to know that something was going to happen that day. 
because yeah. if we just wander through the day oh, aimlessly, yes. oh, it's just horrible. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I love that you helped out with the homework with Zoom. And I think that's such a great thing, um, an opportunity, especially for grandparents, you know, um, if they're if they're feeling like they're kind of alone and to kind of just help out with the kids. And even if they're not even doing a lot of schoolwork, but to just read a book to them over Zoom or, or something to be creative, like you said, I feel like that would be such a blessing to the mother <laughs> um, and also to give the person that is doing it purpose, like you're saying. And so um, I think I, I think that's such a great idea. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. But um, yes, and I do think I, I've never seen so many people walk, um, I think in my entire life, um, during, except for during the time from like March to, I don't know, June, I, yeah. I, the, my window looks out the main um, drive to get out of our sub and there's a sidewalk that leads out and I would say to my husband, I'm like, I have never seen so many people out and walking during the day. <laughs> and so, um, but you know, everybody was stuck at home and they're doing calls at home. And so they're home so they can get out and walk, you know, during a break. And so I do think that that's smart to do something active as well. So you're not just sitting all day long. That's right. And with my grandchildren, aside from doing schoolwork, we did we did Bible studies. And I also took them on virtual tours. Like there were some really cool things online during that. Instead of traveling, wasn't able to travel. We traveled all over the world on virtual tours. And oh, that was cool. fascinating. And we did games and we did Bible uh, memorization. It was really a rich, rich time with my grandchildren that I would have never had the opportunity to do otherwise. So we yeah. have to get creative. Yes, I do. I love that. That is great. Um, one one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is thankfulness. And so I know you call it the superpower of joy. Um, so what do you mean by that? Oh, once you get me talking about thankfulness, that is literally what gets me through my days, Amber. It does. Okay. And, and I it. God, God taught me this 10 years ago when my husband, Jack, my second husband, Jack was diagnosed with gallbladder cancer, which by the way, he had surgery and he was healed from. Wow. But one was looking for encouragement during that time in the Bible, God kept taking me to verses on thankfulness. It just seemed like wherever I looked, God was pointing me to thankfulness. And I thought, God, what are you trying to show me? And then first Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, rejoice, always never stop praying, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. And when the Bible tells us this is God's will for us, I need to dig deeper. And so I I thought, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to be thankful. So I bought a thankful journal and I began to write one line at a time and I started to number them, like number one, just one line, number two. And I and here's what I discovered. My circumstances at that time did not change. Jack's cancer was there, the surgery, all of that was horrible, but my perspective changed. You see, because when we're carrying things around inside of us, pain or disappointment or discouraging discouragement, we carry that in our spirit and we see the world through those feelings and we make choices through those feelings. But when we are thankful, our vision and perspective shifts. It looks upward. It looks to good things. And as Christians, we remember the goodness of God. We take delight in little things, in the smell of an orange peel, the beauty around us, little thankful. We had a good sleep. We had a hot shower. It's not the big things, Amber. It's the little things that I was thankful for. Yes. And 
even though nothing changed in the in the circumstances, I changed. My perspective changed, and I and it didn't have bubbling joy. But again, I had that peace, which then turned into joy. And since then, so that's been over ten years. Since then, I've now done I've done research, and scientific research now shows that if we are thankful, there's something that happens in our brain. It releases good chemicals. And we actually feel better. We actually live healthier lives. So to be thankful, I call it the superpower of joy because when we're thankful and all through COVID, I am thankful every day. I am now, because I've been numbering, Amber, I am now number, almost number 7,000. Wow. And going all the way to 10,000 reasons to be thankful every day. As I write in my thankful journal, it changes my perspective of, oh, I don't have this and poor me and I don't have this. And, And it changes it to but I have this and it changes everything. (laughs) You know, I'm going to make a clicky noise. It's fine. Um, I'll just know. I'll just know. So you can just say it changes everything and then keep going on your thankfulness. Are you able to do that? I am. Okay. So I'm going to make a clicky noise. Once you hear the clicky noise to say it changes everything and then, and then finish whatever you're going to say. Okay. It changes everything. And then we are, 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 we make better decisions. We feel better. And it is, it is literally the pathway to joy. Thankfulness is powerful. And not only does the Bible tell us that scientific research also tells us that now. Yeah, that is really awesome. And I love that you're counting it. That's really cool. And it is so true. You can get so stuck in, oh, this isn't happening for me or, you know, like, why is my life like this? And then to turn Mm -hmm. it around and think about, but what do I have? What am I thankful for? I really do think it kind of gets you out of that rut. Um, I did want to ask you a question about um, relationships. So I think you're a perfect person to ask because you, you got married again. So you weren't a person who was like, I'm never getting married again. Like, you know, I had that, that was great. Almost 30 years. Um, most people would be like, yeah, that was a long time. So I'm good. I'm not going to open myself up to that. And even not even talking about marriage, we can talk about friendships and all this kind of stuff, um, that people are just so afraid of getting hurt. Um, so what are your thoughts on getting past that so that you can also enjoy, um, what relationships can offer us that are not just hurt, but all the joy and um, great things that come with relationships. Amber, you've probably recognized by now that relationships to me are very, very important. And I try very, very hard to surround myself with great people because people will hurt us because we're people that get hurt and we hurt other people. And that's going to happen. But we need to make ourselves vulnerable and, and to begin to build relationships. And I'm I'm not looking for another husband right now. I am content and happy where I'm at. But you know what? Great relationships attract other great relationships. They do. And I try to surround myself with what I call is is a few great friends that really speak into my life and that, that lift me up and that give me great conversations and give me joy and laughter. And I love that. And we... We will get hurt because we are people that will hurt each other, but we cannot let that stop us because there's so much richness in great relationships. It's some of the greatest joy we will ever have in this life. Yeah, that is so great because I do think it's so easy just to kind of close yourself off and just be like, I don't want to, you know, get hurt anymore. But then really that just hurts you in the long run because then you're just 
by yourself and, you know, you're not getting to experience different people. And I don't know, it, it just goes back to the whole loneliness. Um, it would make you even more lonely. So uh, I, I'm glad that you talked about that because I think people need to know that um, it's worth it's worth the risk, I feel like, you know, to uh, open up and have people in your life. Uh, the other thing that I was going to ask you about um, was is if someone is really just having a hard time with loneliness um, and they just don't know what to do, especially with COVID and a pandemic and being isolated and all this stuff. Um, do you have any thoughts on, uh, you know, how to help somebody with that? Like how, how did you, like, for example, you're saying you're not looking for a husband right now. Um, so someone who might, maybe they lost somebody and, and they're not looking to, you know, get remarried anytime soon. Um, but, but they don't want to be lonely either. And they want to have great friends. What have you, what have you learned? Um, I guess in the past few years, especially with your second husband dying, um, what has really helped you get through all of this besides the counseling and stuff like that? Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if people came to us and into our life and said, let me be your friend here, come and do this and do that. But it usually doesn't work that way. (laughs) You're right. You're right. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It usually works the other way. I have found out which is the hard way is I have to be the one to reach out. I have to be the one to, uh, you know, ask a friend, can we go for a walk today and then stop for a cup of tea? I have to be the one that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for a Bible study. I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to join this book club. And we are the ones that actually have to do that. And, and in COVID, there's not a whole lot to do, but I do have some lovely friends that I can reach out and say, can we walk with us today? And then can we have a cup of tea afterwards? And, you know, and as a single person, I am allowed to have one person over for dinner, which is wonderful. And I've done that. Oh, that's I've had great. People in for dinner and it's just so wonderful. It's, it's some work putting it together, but the richness of that, having someone to laugh with and have conversations with. So I have found that I have to, I have to reach out. It's just not going to happen. And that's the hard truth, but that's how it is. And I need to go out there and make that happen. I have to be the one to initiate that. And again, that word, we have to be creative in how we do that. Yeah. And I do think a lot of people feel like everyone's reaching out to them, like to somebody else, right? That I think people are like, oh, I want to be the person that everyone's reaching out to me. But like, I have talked to so many people lately that they have said the same thing as you, that they reach out to people. And so it almost makes me wonder if it's the people who are reaching out to people that have the rich relationships in their life because they're reaching out to people, not that there's so many people knocking down their door, reaching out to them. And I think that's what people tell themselves. So then they are just kind of like, well, no one's knocking on my door and no one's calling me. And, and people, some people probably have so many people wanting to hang out with them. And the reality is that, no, it's the other way around. It is the other way around. And the other thing I've had to do is I've had to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Like you have to reach out. And yep. in the last three days, I've had three friends drive into my driveway, ring my doorbell and leave a present there at my doorbell, which is just so incredible. Oh, I love that. Remember, that didn't happen automatically. Sure. 
yeah because over the last year somehow i've reached out to them we've we've created a relationship and then it comes back to us you see because we reap what we sow and we have to go and sow friendships we have to go yes. and sow joy we have to go and sow hope we have to go and sow those things so that they re- will reap back on us yes i love that i mean and that is so true you know um living in Tennessee and my mom's in Michigan. And like I said, my my dad passed away and um, it's been really great. I've been able to see some of my friends helping my mom because of the relationship they have with me. So it really shows you the whole like sowing the seeds and, and uh, nourishing that friendship and, um, and how that kind of comes back where somebody could see that and be like, Oh, well, that's so nice. But yeah, but you didn't see all the years, you know, yes. of tending to that relationship. And that's why they're willing to do that. And um, so, so I think that is so true, you know, that some people are just seeing the end result thinking, oh, it just happened, you know, magically, you know, that you, you weren't doing all the stuff behind the scene. And I don't mean you yeah. personally, you, but anyone, you know, so I think that's the biggest takeaway that I have, I have gotten from talking to uh, the other women is that you do need to reach out. And one thing that I was um, saying, and I'm going to ask my final question. Um, and the, the, the theme that I'm noticing before you um, answer your, your answer to the question is this. Um, I feel like if you are thinking of someone, the easiest thing to do is just send them a text and say, I'm thinking about you. That is so easy to do. And you have no idea how much that could impact a person or change someone's day. Um, And I think too, it's easy to think, well, no one's reaching out to me to, you know, like no one's saying hi, but I think it feels so good to do that for someone else. And like you said, it will come back around. It may not even come from that person. You never know, you know, things kind of like, you know, happen in weird ways. And so, um, and I, but I think it just would feel good. And you never know that person may be needing you to reach out like that. You may be thinking, no, I need somebody to reach out. And then you reach out and then they're like, you have no idea how much I needed this, you know, and how good would that make someone feel that they just could give that comfort, even though it was super easy, like a text message. With staying connected and um, dealing with maintaining friendships during COVID and during a pandemic and stuff like that, um, if your friends could magically know your thoughts, what are some things that uh, your friends could do to make you feel loved and stay connected with you? And um, I've said this on the other episodes, but I'll say this so that people get why I'm asking the question. Uh, it's so easy, especially if you know the love languages and stuff like that. It's very easy to love people the way that you like to be loved. But it, but if they don't, if they don't receive love like that, it may feel a little bit different. So um, I, I thought it would be fun to ask different people because different personalities. Um, how that would look for them so that it can kind of give people some ideas of like, oh, wow, I never really thought about it that way. Maybe my friends kind of actually want to be shown love that way. So what stands out to you? Well, the most important thing for me is, is for them to show love. Uh, Rick Warren said, how do you spell love? You spell it T-I-M-E, time. So when somebody reaches out to spend time with me, Mm. when somebody says, Heidi, you want to go for a walk tomorrow and you want to go and, you know, have lunch. But for somebody to actually take the time to come and spend time with me and have a conversation with me and make me laugh and have a deep 
and have a deep, a deep spiritual conversation with me. For example, you know, what is God doing in your life to have a walk and to have that kind of a conversation is like gold. It's just so good. And I believe that most of my friends know that I love to laugh. I love to do things that are joyful and to have these rich and deep, rich and deep conversations. And that just fills my heart. And that's what gives me that fresh joy that I think we're all looking for right now. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, now, let's say that people, you know, can't get t- together to go into someone's house and or go out to a restaurant um, and say, you know, it's freezing. And so you're not walking. Um, what would work for you in this situation? Would getting on a phone call or Zoom, would that work for you if you couldn't do the other things? Zoom or FaceTime. I do a lot of FaceTime. Okay. I, yes, FaceTime is great. Yeah. Uh, Oh yes, it's it's as almost as good as as sitting with someone. I've actually had some of my family where I've shared dinner with them. That's another thing we did during oh, COVID. We're still yeah. doing. We uh, I set a laptop on my table. They set a laptop on their table, and we have dinner together. I love that, and and that works really really well. That is such a great idea. That is that is neat. Um, yeah. So hopefully people walk away with some different ideas, but um, I love it. Um, Heidi, do you have anything else to add or do you think we covered it all? I think we really covered it all. I, I just, it is just my my heart's desire that people uh, take this time of COVID to learn something new, to be creative and to find joy in different ways because it is there, Amber. We just need to be creative and find it. And we're going to get through this. This is temporary. We're not stuck here. We're going to get through this. And I want to be everything hard that's in life. I want to come out of it better. Yeah, that is so awesome. And I, I love your attitude. And um, I'm going to put your book in the show notes. Um, tell us again what the name of your book is. My book is called Fresh Joy, Finding Joy in the Midst of Loss, Hardship and Suffering. And this book, Amber, is for everyone. It's not just for losses of a loved one. It is for divorces, betrayals, rejections, miscarriages, wayward children, bankruptcies. It's for all of those losses. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so great talking with you. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for asking me and having this great conversation. Thank you, Amber. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.